The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. morning. Uh, so as some of you, if not all of you know, either from email or just general knowledge, today's Pentecost Sunday. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And hopefully you're just as confused as I am. <laughs> um, and hopefully we can kind of have some discussion. And by discussion, I mean, feel free to talk back. <laughs> um, I guess I'll start by, if anybody wants to, like, just kind of say, what is the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Just random thoughts. It doesn't have to be a well-thought-out response. What? God? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Intuition, he said. What's that? Your gut. It's Anita's gut. (laughs) Guidance. Motivating power, yes. Trinity, Trinity. yes. Friend. Friend. What was that? Love, Love. yeah. Source of endurance. endurance. All those things, yeah. Um, Somebody, uh, Jim mentioned Trinity, and that's one of those concepts that we talk a lot about. We make reference to that a lot in Christianity. But it's still something that's kind of, it's not thoroughly explained. (laughs) Um, So we kind of have to um, use our faith to kind of guide us in what that means and use scripture and tradition and um, teaching to help us really discover what the Trinity means for Christians and in our faith lives. Um, And the Holy Spirit is that kind of um, component that is a little less tangible for us. We can identify with a father being. We can identify with a son and a representative for humanity, um, but it's a little harder to kind of, we get a little, we get too afraid to become mystical when we think about the Holy Spirit, or um, maybe we just kind of say it, give it lip service, and don't really pay enough attention to it. Um, And I think that in order to try and understand how it actually applies to our lives, it's really important to see what scripture says about it. So I'm going to do a little bit more than usual reading of scripture (laughs) this morning, just to kind of provide a bit of a background, Um, um, probably a little bit more from the Old Testament than from the New, because like other themes throughout scripture, the Old Testament really kind of establishes a need and a clear kind of there's an issue here that needs to be resolved, and it's very, and actually, you know, it offers promises for the coming of answers to these issues. So, um, in, in, in the Bible, the Hebrew word for spirit is called, is ruah, R-U-A-H, and it has many meanings, actually, most of which are kind of revolving around breath and wind, um, kind of driving forces, And so I just want you to keep that in mind as I read some of these passages. 
And close your eyes if you want, think, look up, look outside, focus on your breathing, um, whatever it kind of takes to help kind of focus on um, this idea that spirit, wind, breath, all of these things are kind of interactive. <clears throat> so I'm going to read a couple, a couple passages from um, Ezekiel, starting with Ezekiel 2, um, I'm sorry, 3, 12 to 14. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and as the glory of the Lord rose from its place, I heard behind me the sound of loud rumbling. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures brushing against one another, and the sound of the wheels beside them that sounded like a loud rumbling. The Spirit lifted me up and bore me away. I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. And this is from uh, Ezekiel 36, and it's verses 24 through 28. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. Then you shall live in the land that I gave to your ancestors, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And from another last one from Ezekiel, 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into me, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. We'll just do one more. Psalm 104, 24 to 34. 
O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there. Living things, both small and great. There go the ships, and Leviathan that you form to sport in it. These all look to you, to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. So I don't know if that was helpful in kind of getting in this, this just this idea of breath and wind and creation and life. <laughs> um, and this is all before, you know, the Holy Spirit actually comes on the day of Pentecost. And so now I'll just read um, uh, the day of Pentecost and the day of Pentecost from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound, like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation and under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power, All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be returned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." We'll go back to a couple more New Testament references to the Holy Spirit in a bit. Um, So when I first started preparing for today, I asked myself the same question, what is the Holy Spirit? And I kind of started um, kind of battling with the idea that it really is kind of something that I've had kind of in somewhat intellectual understanding of. Um, and it's something that I, that is probably a lot more involved in my life than I actually give it credit. (laughs) And, um, 
and I think that, that that's kind of helped me. It, it, I kind of started from scratch, I guess, when I looked at this. And my background, when I was growing up, I went to a church where there was a lot of prophesying and speaking in tongues. And, um, and I never really understood that. I, I just never did. Maybe because I, we, we left before I was old enough to. I don't know. But in some ways, some of us tend to associate the Holy Spirit with things that might seem a bit crazy to some of us. And some of us associate the Holy Spirit, like I said before, is something that we just talk about but don't really interact with on a daily basis. And so how do we... Because a lot of people tend to do a lot of things in the name of the Holy Spirit that really, in fact, are crazy. And... (laughs) So the question I kind of came down to is, how do we differentiate between the crazy and the spiritual? when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And is it okay to be a little crazy? Because I think it is. I think it's probably necessary because it is something, this is something that's supernatural that that we don't quite have a human understanding of. And the answer, so I think, (laughs) how do you differentiate between the crazy and the spiritual is you find whatever it is that's life-giving because everything that is referenced... (laughs) When it comes to the Holy Spirit, involves something that is life-giving. And that includes, from the first reference, possibly even being in a place of despair and hopelessness. Going into a solitude and battling with the Holy Spirit. And understanding that it's, it's okay. Holy Spirit empowers our hopefulness and our joy. And it embraces us in our hopelessness as well. Because it's that moving force that we don't really, we don't really know <laughs> where it's coming from. But like a rushing wind, it guides us and loves us and all of those words that were mentioned in the beginning. Uh, And it certainly comes out in different ways. A lot of different things are (laughs) life-giving. Things that might appear to be negative are life-giving. Things that appear, you know, because they make us stronger. Um, I remember once... uh, Oh... Ben just walked away. He knows the reference. There's, have you ever heard the, the, the statement that if you, wanna, if you want proof for um, man's sinful nature, go to a church softball game? <laughs> right? Is that, did I get it right? Okay. Um, I remember at a church softball game, um, I was probably in high school. Um, my dad was the pastor at the church. And he wasn't playing, but he was on the bench, you know. And there was a guy from the other team who was just a jerk. Like, he was complaining about every call. And there's not even an umpire. They're, like, calling their own balls and strikes from the plate, each, you know, batter. Really, not quietly, but very, very verbally and openly, really just causing a problem. (laughs) And um, my brother and another guy on our team are both guys that, without Jesus, <laughs> they would really, you know, have probably not hesitated at all to do something about this. And, and the guy just wouldn't stop. And eventually, at one point, towards kind of, you know, I don't know, middle, middle to end of game, 
one of, one of the guys on the team kind of started walking up to him and was like, listen, th- this is just enough is enough, you know. And then my brother started walking over to him. And this, I think he was the pitcher. And, uh, and so it was getting really tense. And everybody was just kind of, you know, whoa, is this, are we actually going to see physical confrontation at a church softball game? And, and out of nowhere, my dad stood up from the bench and started walking towards the pitcher's mound. And I think everybody kind of had this sense of relief, you know. Oh, good. The pastor's going to come in and make, every, make everything better. And he walked up, and he looked at the guy at the pitcher, and he said, if you keep it up, I'm going to let him at you. <laughs> and we didn't hear a word from him for the rest of the game. And for the really the rest of the time that they played, and, and there wasn't any, you know, nothing was actually going to happen, you know. It was more or less, it was a teaching moment, I think. <laughs> Dante thinks so. <laughs> and, and not that we can argue whether or not that was the right call to make on his part, you know, but... The bottom line is that we don't really know what's going to be life-giving until it actually just comes over us and until we actually embrace it and breathe it and feel it and have it be part of our being. Uh, And another somewhat personal story, Um, literally just this week, I have this bad habit of praying really hard (laughs) for God to give me good illustrations for when I have to speak. Like, you know, just make a story happen so that I can use that because it really helps to explain, you know. And and this week, it came from, you know, nowhere that I wanted it to come from. And um, I'm divorced. I I think most of you know that. And so naturally, there's, there's some... You know, there's, there's a lot of growth to be had between me and family, everybody involved in the situation. And this week, and over, really over the last several months, things have really been uncomfortable. There's been a lot of tension. And this week, dealing with a lot of very, very difficult issues just escalated. And more than anything, I kept saying, I just don't have time for this. I have to preach on Sunday, you know? <laughs> and, and as I was dealing with it, Everything in me wanted to be angry, really wanted to just remove myself from the situation, or at the very least, ignore it. Um, And probably right around Wednesday or so, just as I was getting just about angry enough to either say something I shouldn't or walk away and leave the tension where it was, I had this kind of overwhelming... (laughs) Um, urge to literally love the hell out of them. And literally, out of everyone involved in the situation. And this is not me figuring out the best way to handle this. This was me realizing how incredibly wrong I was for how I was seeing the situation. And probably still am, you know, for for all I know. And, um, And so then I 
I was writing letters and sending text messages and trying to do whatever I could to open the lines of communication because that is the only way that things were actually going to feel the breath of love and life. <laughs> um, and we'll see how it all turns out. I don't know. But the bottom line is that it was really, I felt that all the stuff that I'd been reading and studying actually made sense when you actually feel peace. There's a certain peace that comes with inviting and, you know, breathing that life and breath from the Spirit. And so that's why, like I said, the answer to this idea is that how do we differentiate between the crazy and the spiritual? How do we know when we're actually listening to the Spirit? That's one of those questions that even asking the question, how do we know if it's God talking to us or if it's just our own wants and desires coming through? How do we differentiate? And I keep coming back to whatever is life-giving <laughs> is coming from the Spirit. And that can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different situations. Um, I'm going to read a couple little. These are short, don't worry. Um, this is from uh, Anne Lamott's book, Grace, Event Grace Eventually. Uh, she says this, I found that when you give up on using your mind to solve a problem, which your mind is holding on to like a dog with a chew toy, writing it down helps turn off the terrible alertness. When you're not siphoned into the black hole of worried control and playing fretful savior, turning the problem over to God or the elves in the glove compartment harnesses something in the universe that is bigger than you, and that just might work. Um, and now, is Stacy back there? <laughs> I asked Stacy to share a little bit about her experience with the Holy Spirit, because I think it helps to kind of put more personal application to some of this stuff. Is this on, Mike? Can this be on? Okay. Don't we take Dante? Yeah. <laughs> hey, bud. Hi. I'm Stacy. Um, when Anna and I were hashing this out on Thursday, <laughs> I really, really had to kick myself in the head after I stopped to think about it because a story that I told Mom. her was all the way back in 1998 and it just really made me feel guilty. Like, well, just because you've been a Christian for a long time doesn't make, make you a good one. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was challenge number one. Um, but what I want to share with you is something that happened on a regular basis when I was in high school, and that is, is that we had a youth pastor who left very, very abruptly in my church, and basically everyone was upset. The whole youth group left except for my brother and my friend Dave, and so it was just the three of us, and somehow... We collected enough people together by doing fun things, playing pool mostly, um, to kind of have like six people there <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, and then we moved it into my garage because it was more comfortable and it could be entirely our space. And I'm not really sure how the whole process got started, but because we had no adult leader, um, we really decided that if we ever wanted youth group to be interesting again, we really needed to just take the bull by the horns and do it ourselves. So in our own Bible studies, we came up with 
um, three things and resorted to pool time and prayer meetings. And that was it. That was pretty much all we did for a really long time. And in our prayer meetings, we did three things. We put ourselves in a receiving posture, um, either put our hands out or put our heads down or held hands or whatever, got really, really tight in a really tight space, got really close together. Um, and we'd ask for the Holy Spirit to come and inhabit our meetings and come upon us and help our youth group because it was just us. And uh, <laughs> let's see, what else? We, uh, we kept going back to the reference where two or three are gathered in your name. And um, <laughs> we kind of, in our um, inexperience, just assumed that if we went by that, something would happen. So we sat there um, and and agreed with each other. Also, as the Bible said, when you know when we prayed, we'd agree with each other out loud, um, with our hands in the air, in this tight little group, and ask the Holy Spirit to come. And before we knew it, we had spent two and a half, three hours in a prayer meeting, just a prayer meeting, 17-year-olds, <laughs> um, and had no idea how long it took, uh, how much time we had taken. And that is um, something that happened over and over and over again. And I really think that, and we've said a lot in this church about um, <laughs> like overcoming youth group spirituality. <laughs> like, oh, look at those ignorant littles, you know. <laughs> If only they get out into the real world, they'll see how hard it is. But I really think now, in retrospect, that I look at it, it was that childlike faith that enabled us to do it. The Bible said it. Who, who is this? It's in the Bible, duh. <laughs> the Bible said it. We did it. We never even expected, it never even occurred to us that it wouldn't happen if we did it in that way. And it did. And soon enough, we were very attractive, and more kids started coming, and pretty soon we had a ministry of 50, and we were able to get out into the community and really, really be effective. But we needed that charge every week, sometimes more than once a week, so that we had the energy and the discernment to say the right things during the week. And uh, even though I'm ashamed to say that I am not at that level now, I can say that I will not ever be the same for having experienced that. And uh, this, all this talking about the Holy Spirit has really kind of inspired me to um, get off the high horse that I didn't really realize I was on. Um, because I think we all know that the more you learn, the more educated you become, the harder it is to like hold on to this vague notion of something like the Holy Spirit. Uh, so now that's, I'm, I'm like reaching a new level. I have to come down and pretend like I'm 17 again and <laughs> forget all the trouble that's around me and really try and reach out for the thing that really made me a better person. I know I'm smarter now, but I think I said better things then. <laughs> Thank you, Stacy.
so I guess I kind of talked straight through a lot of things, and if I opened it up by asking for some feedback in terms of what, you know, what you feel like the Holy Spirit is. Um, Does anybody want to share maybe a couple minutes, um, maybe about an experience or Brenda? (laughs) Yeah? Come on up. Mm-hmm. Hi, everybody. Um, I became a Christian when I was 17. and um, But I didn't really understand Christianity. Is that funny? But um, my uncle is a bishop in Atlanta. And I used to go to church all the time. I hated going to church. I really did. Because I had a lot of things that I had to do. And so at 17... I was in choir, and I was singing, and we had been tearing. I don't know if you know what that is, but you get down, and you pray, 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 and you pray until something happens. And so nothing happened, though. So that week, I said, okay. I got up on the stage, and I was singing. I was feeling really good. And it was like I was somewhere else. I became nobody and I became in a place somewhere else and I feel like at that point that's when I really accepted Christ too moving forward I was 39 and I was a missionary and um, I was in Bangladesh and um, I was a missionary think about that (laughs) And I was in a, another country that was uh, male-dominated. <laughs> All the males in here. <laughs> and um, I shouldn't have been there, maybe. But I was there. And I, I met a lot of people, and they were making my spirit feel down. You ever been somewhere and been around people, and all of a sudden they keep talking to you, and the more they talk to you, the downer you become? Well, I became so down that I had to breathe. So I went to a church thinking that I could find a priest or a minister or somebody to pray for me so I could feel better. And so um, I went to this church. I feel like I was led to this church by the Holy Spirit. So when I say guidance, that's how that came into there. And I went to this church, and I was telling this priest, Episcopalian priest, about all of the things that I've heard from the people in his country that was making me feel so down. And, I mean, the hopelessness, the disparity, the poverty, the sadness, the women. You know, I I met with a lot of women groups um, there. And, uh, And I was telling him all these things. And I said, I just need somebody to pray for me. I just... I'm so down. He says, follow me. I said, oh, great, he's going to pray for me. And so we went, I thought, to the chapel. But then I thought, oh, there's the chapel there. Where are we going? And he was leading me to a room, and he led me to this room. And in this room was this man who I thought didn't understand anything I said. 
And I looked at this man, and I looked at him, and I said, why am I here? And he goes, you're going to pray for him. <laughs> and I, I realized at that point that I needed to really become a Christian really fast. Because now I was praying for somebody else. I wasn't praying for myself. And I was put in that position. And I asked the Holy Spirit to help me. And I prayed for that man on that bed. And I was crying, I think, more than he was. And when I was finished, I'm thinking, he's never going to know when I'm finished. That's what I was thinking. But he said, when I was finished, amen. And I really started crying then. To me, the Holy Spirit came to me that day. I didn't understand the Holy Spirit until that day. I didn't realize how much God had influence in my life until that day. I mean, I was a Christian. Mind you, at 17. But that day I became a Christian. Okay? Because of the Holy Spirit. Comforted me. Guiding me. Thank you. You might have to come back tonight, Brenda. <laughs> Again, only a couple minutes, but anybody else feel a burning desire to share? Okay, I'm going to keep my story short. <laughs> I hope. I'm probably, I'm going to try not to cry. Um, but it's a funny story, so I promise you it's at least somewhat worth it. Um, so I became a Christian maybe six years ago. Um, but I didn't, uh, in that I sort of realized that God was real and that Jesus rose from the dead and that God was trying to communicate with me and had been trying to communicate with me my entire life. Um, but I think one of the things that I struggled with my entire life is is I'm the oldest brother in a family of all boys, and um, I always need to feel like I'm the most important person, uh, I'm in, and I'm always in control. Um, and so I went to um, State New University of New York at Geneseo, um, where I became part of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and that was the first Christian sort of organization that I'd ever been a part of as a serious um, you know, as somebody who's seriously seeking after Jesus. And I made a couple of friends that I lived with, and we decided that we were going to grow our hair out for a year and then cut it into mullets. Um, why we decided to do this, I don't know. We just thought that mullets were that cool. Um, and so we did, and... Um, and my experience of, of the Holy Spirit, um, the day that we sat on my deck or our deck at this house and cut our hair into mullets was um, pretty profound in that I laughed for about an hour and a half without stopping as we did this thing because um, in the moment I wasn't important 
what was important was friendship. Um, what was important was uh, the relationships that I had with them. And I completely lost myself in that moment. And I look back on that now, and it gives me a, a profound sense of what it means to be part of a spiritual community, to be part of God's kingdom, to be a follower of Jesus. Um, you know, so maybe if you grow your hair out into a mullet and cut it with a few other guys, like, but yeah, that's it. Okay. Thanks, guys. So, I guess to close up, even though that probably would have been a good, great place to end things, um, I guess my encouragement to myself and to everybody here is just, um, is just to try and focus on what it is, what it, what in your life is life giving, and that might mean trying to take stock of what is not life-giving in your life Um, and just being aware all the time. Literally every breath you take (laughs) can be a reminder of the Holy Spirit in your life Um, because of its meaning, because of what God says about it, because of how it interacted with Scripture and how we continue to interact interact with it as our story kind of continues the story um, that began. In scripture. So I'm going to close in prayer and then we'll have a time of response. God, I, I thank you that sometimes your divinity is confusing to us and that we need to struggle with it and embrace it, scream at it, laugh at it. And then every once in a while we stumble upon some sort of understanding. And I pray that with everybody in this room and everybody that, we're, that is not in this room, that you just make your spirit aware, um, apparent to all of us as we go through this next week. Remind us of what is life-giving and of what is not. Just be with us as we try and sort all of it out. This has been the Artisan Church Podcast. To receive future podcasts, go to www.artisanchurch.com slash podcast or subscribe on iTunes. Thank you for listening.